Pastor Xavier Reese and the power of living out the living word. These do. That's it. These do. This is the bottom line of all learning, people. Application. And that's the challenge for my life. I have to make it my own. Everything is theological information in my brain. When I live it out, it becomes truth. Until it's lived out, it is information. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Remember the old commercials that said, you are what you eat? Well, in a theological sense, you are also what you think. Today, as he continues his series in the New Testament book of Philippians, Pastor Xavier Reese examines the importance of staying true to the Word of God in both thought and application. That's the simple truth he draws in today's message. Right thinking results in right living. Let's listen. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23, 7. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Proverbs 4, 23. The Bible has much to say about our mind, about what we think, what occupies our time. And Paul nails it right here. So Paul's proposition is right thinking will result in right living. And... He does this by proclaiming three simple things. Let me read the text for us. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Quite a statement. His proposition, right thinking, will result in right living. And he gives us three simple things. First, the priority for right thinking in verse 8. Notice Paul is directing himself to the family members, brethren, those who can choose to obey the command for right thinking. We have no right to ask non-believers to act like Christians or to obey the gospel. They're dead. The word brethren, Adolphus, means of the same kinmen based on the same origin because they're the same family. He uses the word throughout the epistle over and over and over again. Now, once they were dead spiritually, but now they're alive to God. Before they couldn't obey, but now they can. They have the capacity. God never asked of you or me something that we cannot do. Once we're his children, then we have ability and capacity. We need to understand that. Now, once they understood this, then the only thing they could lack would be the will. The will to obey. And that's really the only thing we lack at times is the will to obey. But we do not lack the ability to do. That's very clear through Scripture. Now notice, secondly, he moves to the particulars of right thinking. Now Paul gives us not an exhaustive list, but long enough for us to get the point across. First, and they come in pairs, the first two deal with integrity. I am to discipline my mind to ponder on whatever things are true. Secondly, I am to discipline my mind to ponder on whatever things are noble. Both of these deal with integrity, noble. The word noble, venerable, honorable, having dignity, the quality that makes things worthy of respect. The second two deal with the motives. 
First, I am to discipline my mind to ponder on whatever things are just. The word just means that which will produce a right relationship with man or God, being conformable to God's standard. Secondly, regarding the motive, I am to discipline my mind to ponder whatever things are what? Pure. The context is our thoughts that only God knows and ourselves. Therefore, it refers really to the purity of the heart, right? Now, from integrity and motive, he moves to actions. The last two deal with actions. First, I am to discipline my mind to ponder on whatever things are lovely. Not usually a word lovely. You don't figure a man like Paul or Peter, you know, lovely. You know, usually we figure it's a, a woman's word. Oh, that's lovely. Uh, guys don't go around and say, hey, how do you like my bike? Oh, that's a lovely bike. <laughs> no, you, don't, you don't usually, you know, um, it just doesn't go with it, okay? It means that what is pleasing and agreeable or admirable, attractive, exciting. Now, the believers to think on those things that will produce a conduct towards others that will be in accord with the attractiveness of the grace of the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ. So constantly, I have to bring my thoughts into check so that I can bring about right actions. That is a discipline, people. It doesn't happen by accident. In fact, Paul tells Titus to commend servants to adorn the doctrine of God by their conduct towards their masters instead of distracting from the gospel by a contradiction in Titus 2.10. So he tells slaves, listen, even your pagan masters, you do your labor unto them as unto the Lord, that they, when they hear you preach or they hear you as a Christian, they may not see any contradiction with your proclamation in your life. And he's telling these guys to submit to people who had the right to kill them. So we need to understand that what Paul asks is no harder for us today than it was for them. And the standard is no different. Notice, secondly, the actions. I am to discipline my mind to ponder on whatever things are of good report. And the phrase good report referring to that which is praiseworthy, attractive, and admirable to the highest standard. Being, here's the key, profitable. That what I bring forth is going to profit someone. You see, in our natural mind, in natural life, what we usually did, we did if it benefit us. We're to be different now. This also appears this one time alone. Well spoken of, reputable. Those things that as I think on, they motivate right actions that will bring glory to God and his kingdom here on earth. The mind. Remember Jesus quoting the uh, law, the Shema of Israel in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, the greatest commandment. They asked him, what is the greatest commandment? He says, love God with all your heart, soul, and your mind. He substituted the word might for mind. The word mind there is the thoughts and meditation. You love God. How do you demonstrate it? By having your mind constantly thinking, pondering 
on him. Because if you don't, then you ponder on yourself. Wasn't this Paul's prayer from the beginning? Look at chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent. There's the word. That you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruit of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. A lot of these words are in here. This is his prayer for them. Now he's laying it out for them. There is a technical slang word for those who work with computers. It is the abbreviation G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. The errors cannot be blamed on the computer, but only on the one who has fed the computer the information. Your brain and mine will forget more than 90% of what we will learn in our lifetime. That is amazing. Over 90% of what we learn, we will forget. But of the remaining 10%, you and I will still store up 10 times more than the Library of Congress of 17 million volumes. Let me tell you, computers have nothing over your brain. God created your brain. Man created computers. Man, if we could retain it. I mean, the percentage of the brain that we use... It's embarrassing. And some of us are still genius. Certainly not your pastor, but I mean, some of these guys go, whoa, you're smart, but very little do they use. Amazing. What kind of thoughts do you allow to control your mind? What kind of thoughts do I allow to control my mind? Thoughts of self-righteousness, jealousy, envy, deceit, resentment, bitterness, hate, unforgiveness, revenge. If I do, they will dictate my life. They will dictate my emotions, my motives, my actions, my deeds. Micah tells us, he has shown you, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Micah 6, 8. God resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. 1 Peter 5, 5 says, where do you stand? That's spoken to Christians. The non-believer is always proudful. That's the Christians he's speaking to. You see, the particulars of right thinking are essential for the believer, aren't they? They're not options. They're essential. Now notice he finishes off with the product of right thinking in verse 9. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the God of peace will be what? With you. So notice first, the product of right thinking, first of all, the product has a process. Real simple here, okay? The product has a process. First, Paul tells them that they learn from him. The word learn simply means to be informed, to increase in knowledge. Real simple. Jesus used it as he said, take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn of me in Matthew eleven twenty nine. Same word. Second, Paul tells them that they had received that knowledge as their own conviction and way of life. The word receive means to take to oneself, to affiliate, or to be joined with. 
The word is a technical term for the receiving of tradition for the purpose of handing it down to others. Paul uses it when he speaks to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three about how he had received of the Lord the communion's table and he handed it to them the very same way. He uses the same word when he speaks to the Galatians in Galatians 1, 9, that the gospel he had received, he had given unto them. And if they received any other gospel, they were to be anathema, them and the proclaimer, whether it be them, another disciple, or an angel. Now notice, thirdly, Paul tells them they had heard him with their own ears as he proclaimed God's gospel of truth to them. They were there. The word here is a cool, meaning to be endowed with the faculty of hearing, not being deaf. Now, we get our word or the phrase acute hearing from it, sensitive, keen hearing, a cool, acute. Jesus uses the word in the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard it said to them of old, Matthew 5.21. John uses in his message to the seven churches. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelations 2, 7 and the rest of the verses in there. Same word. Now notice, fourthly, Paul tells them that they saw him live out these truths that he proclaimed. There's the bottom line, people. The word is oida, and it can also be translated to know. In fact, the word is used for the Magi's regarding the Messiah that said they saw his star. The word saw there is this one, oida, in Matthew 2.2. 2. But then Paul uses the same word in 1 Corinthians 6.19, and he says, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? There's the word, oida, No. Why saw, and another time, no. They have, the context will determine it, and it has the idea of perceiving, of understanding. He says, you saw me. You weren't deceived. You, you know what you saw. Notice secondly, the process will result in the product. The process will result in the product. First, the product has a process, right? Ladies, you're going to bake a cake? Yeah, put the ingredients in, right? The process. <laughs> now, the process will result in the product, just the reverse. The product is described by two words in our English translation. Are you ready for them? These do. That's it. These do. He's already said, think on these things. Now he says, these do. The word in the Greek is one, prasso, simply means to practice, perform, or to be busy with, to be carried about repeatedly and habitually. This is the bottom line of all learning people, application. I must challenge you as I give you application. And that's the challenge for my life. I have to make it my own. Everything is theological information in my brain. When I live it out, it becomes truth. Until it's lived out, it is information. The word is used for those who repeatedly practice the works of the flesh. In Galatians 5.21, to do. The word is used here in our text for those who are repeatedly practicing the fruits of the Spirit. Notice the Apostle Paul commands them to do after his example an incredible statement. Listen to him. 
Listen to what he's saying. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Whoa. Now, he was not declaring that he was sinless or had arrived at perfection. He's already told us that in chapter 3, verse 12 and 13, that he hasn't. He is not boasting, but simply declaring that he had lived out what he had believed and taught them. And they saw it. He's speaking under inspiration. He is saying, it is possible. You have seen me. Therefore, I'm no greater than you, so you can do it. That's great. I, as your pastor, can tell you that for 25 years, God has put me through different things. I put myself through different things. But you can do it because God has allowed me to be able to do it also. You see, we are just the same, no different. He was encouraging them to trust Jesus for this as he did earlier in chapter 2, verse 13, where he says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. But what did he tell them before that verse? He says, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's a partnership. Now we come back again. They were to think on these things and do them. It's not good enough for you to just be in here and fill your head with knowledge and then walk out of here and not be a doer of it. As a matter of fact, there's a danger to that, a great danger. Now notice thirdly, the product of doing has a promise. This is the bottom line. It has a promise. The promise is simple, that the God of peace will be with you. They were God's children and he the God of all comfort, 2 Corinthians 1, 3. They were in the family of God and were to be of good comfort, of one mind, to live in peace, and the God of love and peace would be with them, 2 Corinthians 13, 11. That's a promise. The prayer of Paul to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, listen to it. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of peace. He's the one who can give us peace. He's already talked about it in verse 6 and 7. This peace that passes all understanding for the situations of life. But notice also, God himself will be with us in fellowship, the affairs of life, in the good times, in the bad times, the times of testings, the times of death. So we are to commit ourselves to him as a faithful creator in our sufferings, 1 Peter 4, 19. Paul says this before he's going to be beheaded. He says, I have fought the fight. I have finished the race with joy. And now is later for me a crown of life. God was faithful completely. You see, God will be approving of our lives and rejoicing with us as well as providing the peace that surpasses all our understanding in the anxious times of life as we pray, as we obey the word of God, as we yield to him. Paul, by the way, opened up his epistle, saluting them with the grace and peace of God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ in chapter 1, verse 2. And then he has already given to them the keys to peace as they go to pray and give everything to God. And they don't have to live anxious lives over and over again. One put it this way. Sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a deed. Sow a deed, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. What will it be? It starts with a thought. Start with your mind. It ends up in tragedy. The product of my life will be directly related to the process going on in my mind. I have to be careful. The believer, contrary to what he used to be, is to allow his entire life to be dominated and controlled by the gospel 
as a living sacrifice. The gospel is not to be something you add to your life. The gospel is to be your life. Don't separate your life in Christ from your secular life in the world, in work or anywhere else. The gospel is your life. Presenting your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. The least you can do for what he did for you. And be not fashioned to this world system, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To prove is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Romans 12, 1 and 2. The mind. The gospel should not be an addition, as I said, to your life. Anotherism, another hobby you picked up. It should be your entire life. The scriptures warn us, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. Galatians 6, 7, and 8. The product of right living is due to my yielding to God's power and right thinking. There's evidence of that here in Ephesians 2, 12, and 13. The combination of both, Ephesians 1, 17 through 19, and Ephesians 3, 16 through 21, both of Paul's prayers, that God would enable us and empower us to live the life of Christ. You see, the product of the promise is conditional based on what and how we think and what we're doing, isn't it? Now, listen to me. The promises of God in the Old Testament and the New Testament are all conditional. If you do this, I will do this. Many people say New Testament is unconditional. I don't believe that. Listen to me. Salvation is conditional. Based on what? Repentance. If you don't repent, your sins are not forgiven. It's conditional. You must meet the condition. Repentance. And then there will be transformation. If there's no transformation, then you're still the same way you were. The Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount, are conditional. Listen to them. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for there's the kingdom of heaven. No poverty of spirit, no kingdom of heaven. Simple. Jesus speaking to his disciples about being the vine and they being the branches said, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and it withers. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they burn. Do you think his disciples understood that? It's a real simple illustration. You can't get too many interpretations from it. If you're attached, you have grapes. If you're cut off, you have no grapes. You're only good to be cast of the fire. Jesus is talking about eternal life and eternal damnation. He's not talking about anything else. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done to you. John 15, 6 and 7, he speaks about those things. Conditional. The words of Jesus can be no clearer than this. Listen carefully. Jesus said, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who builds his house on the sand and when the storms come and they will, his house falls. But whoever hears the sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto the wise man who builds his house on the rock. Though the storms come and they will come, his house will stand and not fall. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Your house being built on the rock is not that you declare you're a Christian. It's not that you come to church. It's whether you are a doer of the word. If you are not a doer, your house is built on the sand and the storms will come and your house will fall. So you see, Paul's proposition, right thinking will result in right living, is not a suggestion, but a command proclaimed by these three truths. The priority of right thinking is for the believer. The particulars of right thinking are essential for the believer. And the product of right thinking is of the greatest benefit to the believer. Right thinking will result in right living. 
process equals product. What are you cooking up? What are you going to end up with? It'll be all you're doing. No one else. Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of filling your mind and heart with the Word of God. Now today's message, Right Thinking Results in Right Living, is available as always on CD for only $4. Also included will be everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. Once again, the title to ask for is Right Thinking Results in Right Living or simply mention today's date. Request yours by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for including the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. How do you handle ministry and money? Find out when you join Pastor Xavier Reese on the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California, www.calvarychapelpasadena.com.